Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. Tonight we have, and I will tell you why I conceptualize it as multi-talented, the multi-talented comedian Don Jameson coming on the air momentarily. So while we're waiting for him to call in, I just wanted to briefly introduce my show for anyone new who's tuning in tonight for the first time. And again, thank you to all the supporters out there and people that have been such a support and fan of the show, especially for the guests that I've had on the show. So please check out the podcast. All of my live interviews immediately become podcasts after the show is over. So there's anyone you want to listen to, musicians, comedians, filmmakers, entrepreneurs. The concept of my show, I started it, I can't believe it's been almost two years um, ago, to create a forum where I could really bring people on in the entertainment industry to support them and promote them to help them spread the word and get their name out there about who they are and what they do. A little bit about my background. I have a doctorate degree in clinical psychology, and one of the things I have really enjoyed doing is just interviewing people, supporting them, and promoting them in the entertainment industry. I do uh, put the clause out there, although I mentioned that I have a doctorate in psychology. My show is purely meant for entertainment purposes. Um, We do not do formal therapy um, on the air or anything like that, but I do like people to have a good sense of humor, so if anyone wants to discuss any uh, humiliating, embarrassing, uh, humorous uh, scenarios to please just leave any identifying information out uh, because we don't want to personally embarrass or humiliate anyone. So if you're tuning in, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. You can dial in tonight at 805-243-1320. And as I was saying before, I have the, um, my doctorate degree in psychology. Sorry, it's been a long day. I have to hold down a full-time job in addition to doing this. Um, and then I also enjoy writing. I've written for some magazines, and I have the radio show, and I also have an album out as a solo artist. So I really wanted to combine my passion for interviewing people coupled with my um, background in entertainment. Um, So let me tell you a little bit about Don. I see that he is currently on hold on the switchboard. So before he called in, I I introduced him as a multi-talented artist, and I'll tell you why. Don personally encaptures so many different aspects of someone who has really done an amazing job in the entertainment industry. Um, He's been a writer, a producer, a stand-up comedian. He co-hosts two hit shows, I'm going to go over all that stuff, as well as sings in a metal band called Gunfire and Sodomy, and I will ask him about the name of that later, because again, with my psychology background, I'm always analyzing stuff and interested in how people come up with things. So Don is currently co-hosting VH1's classic hit heavy metal talk show series, and that metal show, they're going into their third, the show is just doing amazing, and as people know, he co-hosts it with Jim Florentine, who I've also had the pleasure of interviewing, and also um, Eddie Trunk, who maybe one day I can get on my show. He's also co-hosting now a second season of Beer Money, which is a fast-paced, non-traditional sports quiz show airing on Sportsnet New York. So we'll definitely be talking a lot tonight about these uh, shows and the new series that are going to be starting. Amongst his many accomplishments, he's also a stand-up comedian, as I mentioned. He Towards the country, opens for some major people. He also writes uh, for Lisa Lampanelli. Everyone knows of her as the queen of mean. His CD, which is currently out now called Live and Hilarious, uh, which is off of Metal Blade Records, 
has hit the top 20 on iTunes and also the top 10 on the Billboard Comedy Chart. And tonight we're going to also be talking about how he's going to be working on a brand new live CD, which he is going to be coming out with, I think, within the next couple of months or so. He also performed recently a stand-up for Metal, Metallica's, Orion Music, and more festival. He's an Emmy Award winner for his work on HBO's Inside the NFL. And also we cannot forget to mention the hilarious and amazingly written series that him and um, Jim Florentine have collaborated on, including Comedy Central's web series, Meet the Creeps, and also his series of prank call CDs titled Terrorizing Telemarketers. So those things get a lot of airplay, um, the Terrorizing Telemarketers on the Howard Stern Show. All right, so more information on Don, because probably he's going to tell me I already finished the interview for him when he comes on the air. Visit donjameson.com, and let's bring him on. Hello. Hey, Don. Hey, how are Hi. you? Hi, I'm 47 years old and I still went to bed. Can you help me, please? <laughs> how are you uh, doing? You Welcome to you? the show. <laughs> With that, that, well, how can I follow? I can't follow that intro. That's like everything I ever did in my whole life. I mean, I think you forgot one thing that I did in the second grade, and uh, you know, I'd appreciate <laughs> if you could mention that and then put me back on again. Okay. Well, I'm sure you'll be able to top it anyway, Don, because we're going to get into the details of all these amazing things that you have done over your career as a comedian and, as I said, seriously, being multi-talented and just being involved in, in so many different things. And I think that's what makes someone successful today, and I'm sure you'll be able to comment on that as we go through the show because you're definitely not a one-trick pony. So, well, I'm just trying to find something I'm good at, you know, so I'm just trying out everything, and then <laughs> eventually I'll, <laughs> I'll be good at one of them. So. But until then, no. uh, you know, if you need a mediocre anything, I can pretty much handle it. Uh, well, you're just, being, you're just being humble, Don, so we know you're very talented. So, um, so where are you calling in from tonight? Where are you located right now? Are you on the road? No, I'm, or I'm, what's... Yeah, no, I'm in New Jersey in my house. Uh, we survived cool. Hurricane Sandy, so uh, we're still standing here. And, uh, yeah, calling you from here. I'm on, hmm. I'm on my home line, which you know, okay. a lot of people don't have home lines anymore. So, uh, you know, that's how my girlfriend knew I was a keeper. Very nice. Because <laughs> a home line means stability, and you know, women like a stable guy. So there you go. There you go. That's great. That's right. Not a lot of people have that anymore. So that's a definitely a perk that you bring to the table, Don. So um, let's talk a little bit about. And I know you were on my show before, and, and people maybe they do know, maybe they don't know. But Don was on. I can't believe it's been a couple years ago, Don. That's how long it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I definitely, I definitely want to talk about again. Just let's talk about some of your backgrounds where you grew up, a little bit about, you know, what you were like as a kid, and then we'll start to delve into how you started to become interested in the uh, world of comedy and everything else that you're involved in. Sure. I'm an open book, Carrie. You know that. Go for it. Go ahead. So tell us a little bit about where you grew up. and uh, uh, start. <laughs> I don't know. I blocked, out most of my, I blocked out most of my childhood, which is probably oh, why no. I got comedy. Because you know what they say, comedy masks pain. So I must have had a lot of trauma in my childhood. Um, but So I'm making up for it now by, you know, looking for love and, and affection, you know, in crowded comedy clubs all over the country. Sure, and attention, right, all that good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I'm trying to replace all the love I didn't get as a youngster, <laughs> uh, you know. Cool. All right, so tell us a little bit about that. Where did, you know, where did you grow up? I think you had mentioned that you grew up in New Jersey, and... 
Can you tell us a bit about yeah, what you like Jersey as a kid? Guy. I, now, look, uh, you know, a lot of comics have the whole shtick about, you know, their crazy parents and my mom is this and my dad was whacked out and this and that. And I had such a normal childhood. So, you know, you know, any jokes I've done about my folks, I, you know, I could never really write anything about them over the years. I always had difficulty because it was like, uh, you know, my dad was an alcoholic and my mom didn't beat me or like nothing crazy happened. So, right. you know, I actually have to take the opposite tact and sort of, you know, make fun of just kind of having a normal childhood as if it's like an anomaly, which I guess, you know, in this day and age it kind of is. You know, most you know most kids grow up in some kind of screwed up situation, whether it's a single-parent home or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't really have that. I had a supportive home. I grew up in the country. I played Little League. You know, uh, you know, I just, you know, my brain just wasn't wired like, you know, like my dad, you know, he wanted me to work with my hands, you know, my whole life growing up, you know, he would always, you know, you know, he'd always, like, you know, try to show me how to take, like, an engine of a car apart and put it back together with no tools, you know. And I was like, I don't know how to, you know, I can't do that stuff, you know. And what, but, did, John, uh, what, did, your, um, what did your parents do? What did your dad do? Was he involved well, my, with something he, like that? No, no, but he was just he was just good with his hands. Like, he worked for um, okay. he worked for the power company, you know. So he was, you know, a real blue-collar guy, hard worker. Mm-hmm. And, I, but that's, and so I didn't pick up any of that kind of stuff. You know, I couldn't climb a telephone pole and, like, you know, change a bad wire, but I got the work ethic from him, you know, and he always stressed to me, you know, you know, bust your ass, don't do anything halfway. If you're going to commit to doing something, you know, give it your all, and uh, and that's the way I've been, in, you know, in, in my creative career, you know. So I didn't get the handiness, but I got the work ethic, which, is, which has been huge for me because, you know, all those things that you listed, you know, <laughs> are nice, you know, uh, and it's, it's nice to have some right. uh, good accomplishments, but you know, some of it's just because I'm a stubborn bastard and just don't I don't give up. So right, right, no, definitely. So just to digress again, so you didn't have this traumatic childhood, like you said. It's not like you're, uh, you know, trying to live out that stuff and kind of go up there to kind of deconfect and get it off your shoulders. What were you like in school? Were you like a popular kid? Was there maybe things that cropped up in your, your school age years that made you want to go into comedy? Were you the class clown? What was that like for you? Yeah, I was. that's pretty much it. Yeah, I was always, you know, funny in class and... You know, but I was smart too, and and so the problem was, you know, you know, my parents would get the always get the call like, you know, you got to talk to your son about you know speaking out in class all the time because you know it's it's disruptive, and, and my my dad said, well, you're just not giving him enough stuff to do. It's your fault, you know. Right. He's 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 acting up because you know you're boring him to death. You know, he's he's you're not teaching him. You know, he's he's more advanced than what you're teaching. So you you guys got to pick up the slack. It's not his problem. So. <laughs> That's why I always screamed out in class all the time because it was like, all right, I get it, you know. Nice, nice. Um, okay, so then fast-forwarding a little bit. So, you know, you're, you're a bright kid. You don't have this traumatic familyhood. You're, you know, getting through school. You eventually go to college, correct? You, yeah, you I went, went to college. To Rutgers. Willingly went to Rutgers. Loved college, mm-hmm. you know. It was... Yeah, I mean, it's, obviously, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't major in comedy or anything like that. But you know, it was just a great experience to be, you know, away from home for the first time, just sort of learn how to live on your own. And uh, you know, when and in college, that's you know, it was the same thing. You know, it was like you know, I was good at all the classes that I took. You know, I, I generally took stuff that I liked. You know, and you know, and I had friends who were like me who liked to play lots of pranks and and mess around and. So, you know, it was kind of high school all over again, but, uh, you know. You, um, 
what did you major in, and Don? What did what did you go to college for? Communication. I didn't know like what okay. I wanted to do, you know. So, but I was a DJ on the radio station there. I knew I wanted to get into entertainment somehow. I just didn't know like okay. with what. So, so yeah. So that was. Uh, I just figured, let me just go along here and see where this leads to. Nice, nice. So growing up, you weren't really inspired by. Were you watching anything on TV? Was there anyone in your family that was had an entertainment background, like comedy or, like you said, no. DJ radio stuff? No one. No, no, zero creativity. Wow. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was, I broke the mold, and yeah, you know, yeah. I used to love all the sitcoms and stuff when I was a kid, and I used to watch Johnny Carson. Sure. You know, like at a young age, even like even when I was eleven, I listened to like George Carlin tapes and Cheech and Chong, right. and even though I didn't get you know a, a lot of the subtext of what these guys were saying, I especially didn't understand any of the drug humor. Um, but I knew it was subversive, and that's what I loved about it. It was subversive. I knew I shouldn't have been listening to it, so that's what it really attracted me to it. So maybe that's an interesting. Let me let me make a, a little bit of an analogy, or just my own perception. It's interesting because you're saying, like you said, you didn't come from a traumatic background, you weren't abused or anything like that, but you were. It sounded like you were a pretty good kid growing up. Doesn't sound like you were someone who got into a lot of trouble. But then you're listening to George Carlin, like you're saying, and, you know, these people that are really edgy and over the top, and that was kind of maybe getting that side of you that maybe you weren't able to express because, like you said, you were doing the right things and getting good grades. And my aunt, anything or no? <laughs> yeah, no, this is, that's exactly what I just told you. So, <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got, you got me down pretty good. Yeah, I just, you know, my mind, you know, my mind's always working. It just didn't, mm-hmm. you know, again, I'm to this day, you know, I'm 47. I'm, you know, if a light bulb goes out, I panic. You know, I'm like, how do you change this? Like, how do I get up there? Do I need a ladder? Like, is it going to be hot? <laughs> how do I, do I put it, take the old one out first and then put the new one? Like, I don't, I have no idea what to do. But, you know, if you put me in front of a computer and go, you know, write 15 jokes about the government shutdown, you know, I'm I'm in my element. That's awesome. Okay, so you get through college, you major in communications, you're involved in radio. Like you said, you kind of knew you wanted to go in the entertainment direction, so where do you go next? You graduate... You got your communication. Yeah, then, then I worked at MTV. I, I did an internship at MTV while I was in college, and that was, you know, 87 nice. when MTV was actually cool. And, I, you know, I got to work with, like, you know, downtown Julie Brown and Adam Curry. And, wow. You know, and I started a career, you know, behind the scenes in TV that lasted till like, almost 2000. You know, so from 87, 88 to 2000, I was working behind the scenes as a writer and a producer. You know, I worked on Headbangers Ball, which is, you know, sort of a precursor to, to sure. what I'm doing now as, as far as a host. So, um, you know, I was there through all those years. And uh, there's definitely, I definitely have a book in me uh, for my decade plus at uh, uh, working at MTV. But as creative and cool a job as that was until, you know, basically boy bands and reality shows started taking over the network. Mm-hmm. There was still, like you said before, I was still so I wasn't expressing myself fully. Like there's still something missing, and the performance aspect was what it was. Okay. So when do you first decide? When do you decide? Like when does the light bulb go off in your head where you're like, I want to try comedy? Like what? Do you remember a moment or what inspired you? Were you exposed to something or watching a comedian? What happened? Um, yeah, I mean, basically, I was, you know, hanging with, uh, with, you know, Jim Florentine, my, my, you know, my, my close buddy and my co-host mm-hmm. on that metal show, and we were, he was a comedian, you know, he definitely had some years on me already before, you know, he was already, 
you know, uh, uh, you know, starting to become an established comic. And I used to just go hang out with him on the road, and you know, and, and go with him to gigs just to hang out because he's such a fun, you know, funny guy to be around. And he was great mm-hmm. on stage, even in the early days, you know, um, when he used to tell like silly puns and stuff he was still really funny like he'd you know say things like he you know took a girl to Roy Roger's a nice French restaurant and like he had that kind of humor when he started out but he was like he was so committed like he was it was great so um you know and to this day you know he's still obviously not only you know one of my mentors but but one of the funniest guys out there um and real quick how did you meet him how did uh, you just just meet him at a show yeah, we met. Yeah, I met him at uh, like at Caroline's in the city at the comedy club, wow. and we just we both had long hair at the time. We were, you know, we both, you know, liked strippers and and heavy metal, so <laughs> we bonded pretty quickly. And and he was doing comedy, which you know, like I said, I you know I was always a huge fan of comedy, so I started going to gigs with him. And little by little, I started writing some notes in a notebook, and you know, I just started. I started dabbling in it a little bit, but I didn't really start start until about uh, like '96, like sort of end of '96, when I, I really started getting committed to it. Okay, so when do you first decide that you're gonna go on stage? Did you take any comedy classes? You know, some people say they try to go to these no. classes and learn how to write. Was that something, Don, that just came no. naturally to you? Like you just had that? It's just well, such it has a, nothing I'm to do so with becoming natural. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's nothing nat there's nothing there's nothing there's nothing natural about getting on the stage and trying to make a room full of people laugh. I mean Oh no no, not that. I'm saying the writing. I mean, is that something that you just had a knack for basically? No, uh, well it just it like it like it like all other aspects of performance, it you de- it develops over time. You know, like right. I said, Jim used to do funny puns at the beginning and now, you know, his act, you know, twenty years later obviously is is so much, you know, more refined, mm-hmm. his character is more refined and his humor is much sharper and edgier than it was back then. But um, yeah, it's the same with me. You know, it's a, the first thing is just getting up there. A lot of comedians have stage fright, you know, uh, which is you know, which seems odd, but that's true. They you know they're terrified mm-hmm. to get on stage, but once they get there, then they, that's the greatest place in the world for them. And for me, I was I have no shame, so getting on the stage really was kind of easy. You know, it was just all right, walk up there and start talking, and you know. Um, you know, the first time was like in a little redneck bar in South Jersey and, you know, they didn't even know there was a show. It was people who were drinking <laughs> since like 12 o'clock that day and now it's 10 o'clock at night. And, you know, I probably got three or four mercy laughs and, you know, that was enough for me. I came off stage and the the, the exhilaration and the, the rush of feelings that I had were like, wow, you know, it's like, I, how do I, when do I do this again? I, I got to do this immediately. So um, that's how it started. Nice, nice. So that starts there. You're still, are you still working at MTV at this point too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, still working at to, MTV. Okay. But okay. starting to, yeah, starting to, uh, you know, build this other career and, and realizing, okay, now I found out where what I was missing creatively at the, like I said, the performance aspect of it because it's so dangerous. You know, it's such a high risk mm-hmm. and but it's such a high reward. So. So when do you decide to take that step? I mean, do you eventually just, you know, say to yourself, I've got to pursue this full time and, and decide to leave MTV and focus purely on the comedy? 
Yeah, you got to do that because you you can't. You got to be a comic full time. You can't be. You wow. can't just like my my dad said. Don't half ass anything. And right. You can't half ass it because it's too hard of a of a of, of a craft. And and not only that, it's you know the business end of it too. You know it's sure. It, you know it's not only just the writing and booking gigs and performing. It's you know getting headshots and 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 you know. Promoting yourself and and there's you know there's so many aspects that go into it especially nowadays with all the social media but you know yep. back then you know and then making tapes and going on auditions and all this stuff you know which is it's really time consuming so yeah you you have to you have to you have to do one or the other you can't you cannot do you know you can't work you know at the Ford factory during the day and be a comedian at night it just it uh, you right. know you, you, I mean you can do that you're just not going to get anywhere as a comic. So where, how old were you about when you decided to, or you know, you know, or not a specific age or age range? When did you decide that you know this is this is it? I got to really just put my all into this because this is what I want to do. Yeah, like I was in, you know, in, I guess I was in my late thir- like thirty something, you know, twenty nine right? thirty wow. is when I started getting into it. Yeah, but that's the cool thing about comedy; it doesn't matter your age. You know, George Burns right. was a hundred, you know, and he was still doing comedy. You know, Rodney Dangerfield, you know. You know, the good thing about comedy is, you know, you don't have it to look good. like George Clooney to be in it. You could, you know, right. you could be an ugly 50-year-old <laughs> guy if you want to be. You know, as long as you're funny, who cares? You know, most comics yep. are silly looking anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Well, you know, you don't have to worry about that. But, right, no, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. No, not everybody's okay, Dane so... Cook, you know what I mean? I mean, right. you know, that most <laughs> comics are, are kind of goofy looking, and that's all right. Some Some use it to their advantage, and... You know, whatever, you know, you, look, you use whatever you got. Definitely, definitely. So, and, and again, it was a little different, um, you know, when you finally launched your career versus, like you said, where we're at today with the social media and all these reality shows. And I definitely want to get your impression on just some of that stuff going on where, you know, people have these, you know, kind of launch pads, maybe, maybe not, to get their career going when, like you said, you've taken your dad's quality of, of being a hard worker and, you know, that's what you need to do to, to get yourself to where you were at. So when did things, like, tell us a little bit about, I don't know, the moment when you leave and you're just starting to work on this full time and then we'll, we'll start to transition into some of the other stuff you were doing, starting to do. I mean, basically it was just, you know, I was um, I was renting an apartment in Manhattan uh, you know, because I was making good money at MTV, uh, and so I was like, "Well, if I'm going to leave MTV, I, I better work really super hard and accelerate this thing." You know, because I got to pay New York City rent. So, you know, right. I really put my nose to the grindstone and just got, you know, just booked anything I could. And you know, the the scene and you know, with the Jersey comics, uh, who were the guys that I, you know, came up with, and I still, you know identify myself with guys like Jim Florentine, Jim Norton, you know, the Reverend Bob Levy, you know, mm-hmm. that, those, Rich Voss, those group of guys that um, who are all, again, a few years ahead of me, but those are the guys who I kind of came up with and did a lot of work with at the beginning. And, and nice. the, the scene was so supportive, like, you know, if you've, you know, everyone helped each other. If, if you, you know, if you got in a club, then you helped, you know, three other guys get in. And if they got into a club, you know, then they got you in. If, if you got a, you know, if you got a small part on a TV show, you know, you told the casting agent about them or whatever. And that's, that's how awesome. it was. You know, I was... I always found the New York comics to be a lot more, you know, standoffish and just worried about their own thing. And I always, in my mind, I was always like, you know what, we all have a different path. There's enough room for all of us out there, mm-hmm. to, you know, to, to do something. You know, I mean, I'm hosting a heavy metal talk show right now. I mean, who would have thought 
you know, my pace right. would have went that way. I mean, I'm glad it right. did because it's exactly what I want to be doing. But, you know, it's it's just like, you know, I knew I was never going to be cut out for Saturday Night Live. I'm not a – I don't do impressions. I don't do characters. So right. why would I waste my time going in that direction? You know, I'm going to try to focus, you know, my energy where where I think I could find a niche, you know. And that's what it's all about, too. It's not only just – you know, getting out there and doing gigs, it's also like, you know, figuring out, all right, where do I fit, you know? Right, right. And I think that's, I think you made so many relevant points. I think the first one is just the support, and I think that is hard. I mean, I don't, you know, I do see that sometimes, but like you said, a lot of people are out there for themselves and, and trying to get ahead, and I think, which is, you know, why I launched this show, which is really the importance of supporting people. And like you said, there is a place for everyone. It's finding your niche and, you know, finding your skill set and what you do best. And I think that's, that's just a great point to make. Um, and then the other part of it, if I can remember correctly now, because I'm getting, I'm getting sidetracked with all the stuff we're talking about, is, like you said, just transitioning into roads where you just don't even know where you might even end up. Um, mm. So with, with that being said, why don't you start leading into, since you're talking about, you know, VH1's That Metal Show, tell us a little bit about how you got your start with that. And uh, I know it's, you know, going into the 13th season. When I had you on the show, it was actually the seventh season because I was looking back at mm. my old notes. So, um, yeah, tell us a little bit about how, you know, that got launched and how you guys all got involved in that. Basically, you know, what, what, you know one of the things, as, you know, as a comic that you do is you go on, you go on a million auditions for commercials, for TV shows, for for movies and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I, again, uh, you know, something like, you know, I took acting class for a while, but they, for me, I just didn't have any passion for it. And there were certain things I could do pretty, pretty okay, but I just didn't have a passion as far as being mm-hmm. an actor. You know, I, you know, I, it wasn't, it wasn't a direction I was interested. I was definitely interested in doing something on TV, but more personality based. And that's when I tried to get into host, you know, I got a hosting agent and I did, probably like 15 pilots for TV shows that never went anywhere. And I'll tell you, those things kept me afloat. They paid my Mm -hmm. New York City rent, you know, so like, you know, I did them out of necessity, but they weren't, they weren't anything, even if they got picked up that, you know, would have really been something I'd be wanting to be identified with, you know, like I did pilots for home shows and, you know, cooking shows and things like that. So, you know, stuff wow. I don't have really any interest in, but you do them. You know, because you, because it's sure. a paycheck. And hey, you never know. You know, you might, you know, you might be on the next big show, and you know, it's it, it launches you, and then you could sort of find your way after that. But you know, after fifteen failed pilots, you start thinking, God, I think the industry is paying me to stay off of TV at this point. Right. So you start to get a little bit of a, of a complex, like, you know, when when is one of these things going to hit? And it hit when I collaborated with, you know, two of my best friends, Eddie Trunk and Jim Florentine, and we combined, you know, our love for hard rock and heavy metal and, 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 and also, you know, having a similar sense of humor between the three of us and, mm-hmm. uh, and having a great rapport together. Um, we came up with the idea and we pitched it to VH1 Classic and... You know, uh, figuring it was my 16th failed pilot, um, or, or just figured in my millionth pitch meeting that was going to go right. nowhere, we actually did get a pilot out of it, and thinking that would be the 16th failed pilot, got picked up for a series, and here we are today, like you said, 13 later. Wow, that's amazing. That is really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a success, like you said, for all of you guys, and it's been a major hit, and people really enjoy it, so... uh yeah, congratulations with all that. It's just it's great. 
Yeah, and it's again, really it's something I, I want to be identified with, you know, and I sort of like having the, you know, the tag of being a rock and roll comic because, you know, that's that that that's who I am, you know. I've, you know, uh, if I had to do, you know, that country show, you know, I I would do it, but I would it wouldn't be, you know, nearly as much fun, and I would, you know, I'd hate to have to go out on the road and do, you know, jokes about like Brad Paisley and. Right. You know, <laughs> you know, Billy Ray Cyrus. I, you know, because country music's not my thing. So, but right. but being able to go out on the road and, and work in a job on TV where I, you know, could talk about, you know, the, this type of music that I love has been is amazing for me. That is, that's amazing. Why don't you tie in? I mean, you recently, like you said, you did the stand up for Metallica's. Tell us a little bit about that that gig that you got and what that was like. Yeah. Well, you know. D- you know, trying to to perform comedy in front of you know four or five thousand sweaty oh metalheads at four o'clock in the afternoon is is definitely not a gig that most comics is gonna, are going to accept. And not only did I accept it, I, I couldn't friggin' wait to do it. You know, it was That's just awesome. to me. It's, it was the cool. Those are my people. You know what I mean? I, I knew I knew at least I'd have a little grace period with the with the fans of that metal show who'd be there, and you know, uh, I'd at least have mm-hmm. two minutes before they started. You know. Uh, hurling, you know, empty containers or whatever at me, you know, if if, if I suck. But uh, but I was, you know, I came ready for them, and uh, it was, you know, definitely the greatest show of my life. And uh, I got introduced by Lars Ulrich, the drummer from Metallica. You know, it's like you're opening, you know, you know, it's That's like amazing. one week I'm up. Yeah, one week I'm like working. In, I'm, I'm doing comedy in the back of the pizza place, and then the next, you know, <laughs> right. I got Lars Ulrich introducing me to Metallica fans on stage, and you know, I'm doing a 30 minute set where I'm, you know, really, you know, killing and uh, and just, you know, having a blast. So th- that was such an unbelievable experience. That's awesome. Any any interesting story or something you can tell us from that? Any really kind of odd, random thing that might have happened when you were doing that? Just you know, what, you know, when I went up, um, and, and and Jim Florentine also did, it, and, and Jim Brewer, who's a big heavy metal fan and, and a friend of ours, okay. the three of us, you know, did it, and uh, you know, I was the first comic up. Lars introduced me, and you know, you know, my nerves are you know through the roof, and uh, about tw- about twelve minutes in, I, I can I start feeling like okay, I got it, you know, but I got to do thirty, so. I, I got a ways to go, but I'm, I'm now I'm starting to relax. I'm into it, you know. Um, and I there was a point where I told a joke that I thought was good, and but it got this massive laugh and then a huge cheer after it. And so now that I was relaxed, I kind of got cocky and I threw my fists up in the air like, yeah, I'm the man, you know. And then and then there's another huge laugh, and then I realize everyone's looking stage right, and I see James Hetfield, the singer from Metallica, had walked in into the into the tent where we were performing, and that's what they were cheering about. It wasn't my joke, so I was like, Ah, you sons of bitches! I thought that was for me. All right, well, screw it. Uh, you know, James is here. Okay, Aww. give him a hand. And then, but then that was a funny moment where, again, then I relaxed after that, and then the last, you know, 18 minutes were were really just kind of a breeze and went really fast. So uh, it, the whole thing was just uh, incredible. And to be handpicked by Metallica, you know, again, a, a band that I'm a huge, huge wow. fan of forever, you know, since I'm, you know, a teenager, you know, for them to handpick me to perform at their festival was like, wow, what an honor, you know. 
That's amazing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, just probably so many amazing experiences and people that you've, you know, been fortunate from all your hard work through the, the metal show and everything else that you're doing just to meet. And, yeah, it's probably pretty surreal on some level. Always great to combine, you know, the thing, the things that you love, you know, into kind of, you know, one career, you know. And so for me, it's comedy, it's it's music, it's now sports too, you know, because I'm doing some stuff on TV with sports. So, you know, I love I love all that interconnectivity. Uh, you know, my my album came out on Metal Blade Records, which is you know a, a 30 year plus long you know, heavy metal labels, you know, and I'm proud to have an album out with them. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's all kind of interconnected now, and, and I've sort of found my niche, you know, where I belong in the comedy world. I don't worry about, you know, what other comics do or what right. what shows or radio things or commercials or that they get. That's their path. My path came this way, and this is where exactly where I want to be. That's awesome. And what do you do? You think there's anything else? I think that's an interesting thing that you mentioned. Where it sounds like you know you are very confident in yourself, and you're very pleased, like you said, with what you've done, what you've accomplished, where you're at today. Is there anything else you think that impacts you so that you're not, you know, if you see Comic X out there doing something where you get a little like, oh, I wish I was there. Is there anything else that helps you kind of stay in the spot that you're in? No, no, I don't like. I, said, I don't worry about what other people do. I, I just like when good, good guys, good things happen to good people, you know. And right. I, and we, and everybody in the comedy business knows knows who the good guys are and right. and uh, and who who they aren't. So you know, right. you always root for the guys who you know are cool and you know do it. You know, obviously. You, you know that you respect them, and, and so yeah, I'm happy. You know, and I, I'm not a you know these com you know comics will always try to knock down other comics. You know, every time right. I do an interview, so some will say, "What about Dane Cook, man? He's not even funny." And I'm like, "Really, Dane Cook's not funny? I don't know. I'm not selling out Madison Square Garden or the Boston Garden, but he does. So I don't know. Maybe some people actually find the guy funny. I you know, um, right? You know, I'm not I'm not in any position to 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 make fun of Dane Cook. I you know, he's he's doing a lot better than I am and whether or not that's my style of comedy has nothing to do with it. I you know, the God bless right. the guys, you know, the guys out there kicking ass. And and guess what? I'm not jealous that he can sell out an arena cuz you know why? Cuz cuz all that tells me is that comics can still do that. Right. You know, and so Which maybe right. one day that'll be me. I'm not I'm not going to be be jealous about it. Why am I going to waste that negative energy? That that just makes yep. me go, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to work harder on my act. So maybe one day I'll I'll have a following like he does, and I can sell out Madison Square Garden. No, I think that's great, Don. Like again, like I said, just your confidence, your self assurance, and just reframing. That's what we use in psychology. You know, just reframing stuff. Like you said, why waste your negative energy? You know, thinking negatively about people and saying critical things. And I think, yeah. And as you can see, I mean, that's not what I'm asking. I didn't want to. I was more interested in you as a person in terms of is there something about you know, your personality and your character that helps you. Yeah, no, I'm, ju- I'm, just, giving you the, I'm just giving you a little yeah. psychological stuff to work with, but uh, as yeah, far as like how comedians, <laughs> comedians' minds work. But again, oh, yeah. I, came up with, I came up with guys like Jim Florentine who, you know, kind of taught me to think that way when I was doing this, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, don't be worried about what anybody else is doing. Just worry about your own stuff, you know. And and that's you know, a lot of comics don't cool. sort of get they don't get that lesson you know right away. And the other thing is enjoy the journey. That's the thing. It's a journey. You can't. Yeah. You know, I, I have a I have a twenty five year career in show business, 
and you know, I, I, I'm still excited to to find out where it's going to go. You know, I, I you know after you know I see I meet comics after six months. They're like, I need a manager, I need an agent. I'm like, you need an act. What are you worried right. about? A, a manager, an agent? You don't, you can't even do five minutes. So, you know, ma- yeah. see a ma- You know what a manager does? He manages things. You have nothing to manage right now. Right. You right. know, worry about worry about your act. You know, get get your exactly. legs under you. You know, give it. A, you know, you, you you can't even imagine. You know, it takes at least four years unless you're a prodigy, unless you're a Dave Chappelle, unless you're somebody who's just a complete right. exception to the rule. You, it takes a minimum four years just to get your legs to stop shaking underneath you when you're on stage. So it's a long journey. You got to enjoy it while you know while you're while you're on it. And there's going to be a million ups and downs. You can't get too up. It's like sports. All right, mm-hmm. you know what? I lost today, but there's another game, you know, on Tuesday, you know, and it'll be better then. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just, I mean, I just, I love your attitude. And like I said, just from going out and seeing you perform and just, you know, being so personable and, and interactive with the fans and just your talent, I mean, it's just great to see someone grounded out there that, you know, has that quality and isn't, you know, this narcissistic person who's kind of, you know, always trying to puff their wings and just, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's just really cool. And I think you make relevant points that a lot of people starting out, whether it's music, comedy, any type of entertainment, they just want to right away, just like you said, kind of jump 10 feet ahead when they haven't even started to walk yet. So Yeah, yeah and so. The, thing, the thing I always notice with comics is, yeah, that's a, that's another thing about puffing out your chest, you know. When I go out on the road and I do gigs, and, yeah, you know, obviously I always, a lot of times I'm lucky I get to work with, you know, people that I know and that I like, and a lot of times I get to work with my friends, but sometimes I go into a town and, and you know, you know, sometimes I have a couple guy, local guys who may be opening for me or whatever, and you know, or, or, you know, or I'm opening for, you know, you know, a local headliner, say, whatever the case is. But I always notice the guys who are the least funny are the guys who are right on top of you and they, they're just listing every credit that they have, you know. Uh. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad. And I'll just say, hey, I'm glad to be working with you this weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I just won Baltimore's Funniest Comedian. I did that. And then they go oh, on stage and it's, and it's complete silence for 30 minutes and you're just like, that's Baltimore's funniest guy, really. Okay, well, right, right. I'm glad I don't but again, Don, <laughs> you know, by being humble, that tells you a lot about a person who has to just expose that stuff right away. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and a comedy. So. Look, comedy is always going to keep you humble. That's the thing, because even if you're, I've, you know, I've seen Seinfeld go into a club and bomb. You know, even at, while his TV show was on the air. I mean, you know, sometimes you just get that crowd who doesn't, you know. You don't get catch it. up on you catch they don't get it or, or whatever I, I don't even want to I don't even ever blame it on the crowd or just for whatever reason you don't click and you have a you know a crappy set and that sends you right back to zero again so every time you get on stage it's like mm-hmm. you know you you kind of you know you know what you do but you you know you can never really predict how the crowd's going to be and you know I'm in my 17th year of doing it and you know there's still a bad night every once in a while and there's nothing you could do about it you just like I said you look at it like like a baseball team all right you know what we lost on Sunday, but I got another game on Tuesday, and you know I'm going to work. I'm going to work hard, and hopefully it's going to be a great one. I'll get come mm-hmm. out with a victory. Definitely. So while you're talking about your integrating sports and stuff, which I think is a good parallel to talk about beer money. So tell us a little bit just about your background. That's not something I knew about you that you were interested in sports. So what sports in particular were you interested in? Did you play anything growing up? Tell us a little bit about that. 
Yeah, I mean, I just like every other kid. I played, you know, baseball, you know, in Little League and all that stuff. And I always, you know, I was always playing sports, you know, with my friends, football and and stuff. And, you know, so, you know, I was always a fan of all the local teams, the Jets, the Mets, uh, the Nets, um, you know, the New York Rangers and hockey. So I just, I'm, you know, like with heavy metal music, I, you know, I'm just a fan of also sports, you know, and, uh you know, have been my whole life, and you know, I've, a lot of my t- I've suffered with most of my teams <laughs> over the years. So, you know, I have a lot of uh, pent up rage about uh, some of some of the choices that my dad saddled with me with as far as teams. But I'm loyal to a fault, <laughs> and I've stayed with every one of my teams. I've then, you know, never been a, I never jumped the bandwagon somewhere else. You know, I never went to the Yankees because the Yankees were winning and the Mets were terrible. I never did that. I you know stuck with my teams. And, you know, I was uh, basically watching, uh, I used to watch the show Beer Money on, you know, SNY, which is the Mets channel, and it's a sports trivia show, um, you know, where you basically go to bars and ask people trivia questions and they win some money, and I would watch it, and I, you know, like everybody else, I'd try to answer the questions at home, and I was always like, God, this is such a cool show, and then when I started doing that metal show, I was thinking... God, you know that beer money would be a really cool like side show, like if you know side <laughs> TV project to do. Like if you know what I mean, like like in between seasons of that metal show. Like I I, I love to do that show, Beer Money. I always thought that because it's such a such a simple show to do, you know. And and you know you're basically like you know I'm basically like the Alex Trebek of sports. You know I have all the answers. All I got to do is ask questions and give away money, um, you know or you know, break someone's horns if they, uh, you know, if they get it wrong. And and sure enough, and as real a blue, quick, Don, just yeah. real quick, just just give us a little blurb in terms of what the show, because I know you're giving some information about what the show is about. And unfortunately, I'm just being honest, I never had a chance to see the show. So you're basically people are calling in. How does this work in terms of? No, no, like people? I go to a sports bar, right? And and I have okay. you know I have questions on a card. First questions, oh, cool. and it's about it's about any one of the local sports teams. You ask the person, what are you a fan of? They'll go, okay, I'm a fan of the New York Jets. So there's three questions. First questions worth ten dollars. The second questions gotcha. worth twenty dollars, and the third questions worth a hundred. Um, okay. So the most you can win is a hundred thirty dollars. Hence okay. the name beer money. Because you you don't really win that much. You you basically win beer money, right? You know enough to pay your tab and go home. So, you know, cool. um, so that's the premise of the show. It's a very simple show, and like I said, so I said, wow, that'd be a you know a cool little side job, you know, to the one I'm doing. And I got an email out of the blue from the producer of the show, who you know basically said, I you know I, uh, I produced this show called Beer Money. He starts describing it, but you know, not knowing if I had ever seen it or not. And he said, you know, we have some fans here at the wow. network, and we're wondering if you were interested in coming in. I was like, that's amazing because I've been thinking about this for you know probably two years. Because um, they had it previously had other hosts, you know, and um, so so lately I've just been thinking a lot about you know getting doing stand up on the David Letterman show. So I'm just waiting for that email to hopefully come in soon too. I figure if I just keep wishing these things will happen, eventually I'll get an email and and it'll come right. true. But that's what happened with Beer Money, and I've done that's two seasons awesome. of that. And, and that's a blast too, because like I said, I can you know I can incorporate some of my improv skills and my comedic skills along with my knowledge of sports, and uh, and uh, get a, also expose myself to a, a different audience, you know, for people who 
don't listen to hard rock or metal and don't watch that metal show, but they're sports mm-hmm. fans. So, you know, I get a lot of, you know, at my comedy shows, I get a lot of, you know, hockey jerseys and Slayer shirts, you know. So I have right, two, right. Different, two different legions of fans that kind of are picking up on me now. And that's cool, I think, because, again, you're being very strategic, and I, I think in a smart way, like you said, you're just combining all of your skill set, but at the same time, it's it's business, too. So you're picking up different fans from the beer money show and the sports people and then the metal show, and it's just it's really cool to see how all that stuff comes together. Yeah, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm very lucky. You know, I don't rest on any of my laurels. I just I keep moving forward, and and you know that's exciting for me too. Like, what's going to be next for me? You know, where's this whole thing going? What, when that metal show and beer money are not around, what will I be doing? So we'll see. You know, I, I have no idea. You know, and that's what's exciting about you know what I do. Nice, nice. Let's do this. I just want to play one bit off of your comedy CD that you have now, so we can still promote that and plug that. And then when we come back, let's talk about the new one that you're going to be working on that's going to be coming out that we're promoting tonight. Does that sound good? All right. Sounds, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, just to take a little break because you've, uh, you've been talking a bunch and it's been great. So, yeah, let's do that. All right? Let's do it. Okay, hold on. All right, everyone, you're listening to Don Jameson on The Carrie Edelman Show. If you tuned in late for any reason, you can check out the podcast after it's over please be sure to check them out at donjameson.com. And right now we're going to check out just one of the clips off of his album that is currently out. As we mentioned, it's in the, the top of the albums off of Metal Blade Records on iTunes and different charts. So let's check it out. This is off of Live, sorry, Live and Hilarious. All right, we'll be back in a moment. I like going to rock clubs. Like I love when they have the rock nights here at Bar A, man. That's the best. I came here one time on a rock night. I picked up one of these goth girls. You know those really pale girls with the heavy eye makeup on? I brought her back to my place, but her makeup must have ran during the night. I woke up in the morning. I thought I fucked Alice Cooper. Yeah, welcome to my nightmare. And because I drink, I sometimes have sex in the heavyweight division. All right, those are my Jersey people right there. Because some people like to go to bed reading a good mystery. I like to wake up to one. You ever have one of those mornings? You get up, you're like, what did I drink last night? Where am I? And why am I laying next to Shrek right now? I was with a girl so big one time, I needed a GPS unit to find her vagina. I was poking around the dark for like 15 minutes. They kept going, recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. In 100 yards, take a slight left. And then I took a left and she queefed and all the lights in my building went out. And I said, Precious, you have to go home now. Because women need love no matter how big, small, tall, skin, doesn't matter, right? I like women who are exciting in bed. Women who yell stuff out in bed, right? Not help, but other things. <laughs> Let me go, not so much. I like women who are creative in bed, but one time this woman got a little too creative with me. Right in the middle of sex, she sprayed me in the face with mace. <laughs> I was so pissed, I almost left her in the bushes all by herself. 
Sometimes you gotta know when to pick up your metal pipe and go home, you know? All right, everyone, again, that is a preview of a clip off of Don Jameson's Live and Hilarious. So please check it out. It's on iTunes, and you can download a copy of it. It's an amazing CD. Check him out live at all of his shows where he does some of these bits. So let's bring him back on. We're going to talk about what he has in store for a new uh, live CD that he's going to have coming out shortly. All right, Don, great stuff. <laughs> such her, oh, my good, goodness, good such stuff. hurtful language there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I rated my know, show mature, so. <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, I forgot about that bit with the uh, with the with the girl with the GPS, and you know, it's, you know, just something, just a little insight for people. You know, <laughs> whether it's your, whether it's your style of, of humor or not, a joke like that that had whatever five or six different taglines to it. That's mm-hmm. ju- that that's the kind of joke that starts out with just like one one tagline, and then you re- it just gets kind of an okay laugh, and then so you go home and you're like, man, this, I know there's something funny here, so you write another tagline and then you go try that one, and then and then you're, wow, it's getting better, and then you know, and then one night it bu- and then it works, re- then you have like three taglines and it kills every night, and then and then for some reason it stops working. And you're like, what happened to the bit? And then you go home and you write another one. And that, and then, and then that's a joke that could take a, you know a year and a half to write in its finished wow. form because, you know, you just it just doesn't you know you know what I mean. You don't write all at the same time. You just sort of do it out of necessity. Like, yeah, it's not working anymore, so I need another line for it. I need or I need a different angle on it. You know, so you know I, I love jokes like that where you, you you know you keep thinking it's over and then it's not. You know, and right. it's, uh, it's, for me, listening to to a comedian, you know, li- you know, to 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 always, you know, expect the unexpected uh, is what makes makes it fun for me to think, oh man, okay, that, okay, wow, that's outrageous, and then there's still another level, you know, because comedy with with la- layers and levels is sort of the, the best comedy there is. But anyway, all that all that said. Um, I was very excited, you know, thanks to, uh, you know, a lot, obviously a lot of the fans from the TV show and, and thanks to um, social media that, you know, that album was, I, I was able to do really well with that. And, and uh, you know, uh, I'm really excited to do the next one, sort of being a little more sort of fine-tuned with my social media skills and all that stuff. But I will say this, that it did make the top ten on the Billboard charts, on the comedy Billboard charts. But, you know, I've been thinking about it for the last couple of years, and I realized that, you know, Louis C.K. had an album out at the same time Mm -hmm. called Hilarious. So I, I think a lot of people bought my album Live and Hilarious accidentally thinking it was that Louis's was album. So oh, when I do my next album, I'm going to wait for Louie to name his new album, and then I'm going to name mine something really similar. Because <laughs> I want to go no. number one. I'm sure, I know you're, you know you're making a joke, but I'm sure it made it where it is because it was a great album. It really is. I mean, it's just really great material on it. It's solid. It's creative, like you said. You know, it's edgy. It's great. Well, I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in the sort of the, the, um, like in music, you know, you're a musician, so you, I mean, you understand this as well as anybody, you know, every band has 
you know, whatever, 10 years or 15 years to write the first album, and then they have two mm-hmm. to write the next. And that's where I am. You know, that album was sort of a, you know, a collage of stuff. You know, I had done my whole career, you know, uh, along with modern stuff, obviously. I wanted to make the al- album relevant, so, you know, I had a lot of stuff about terrorism and politics on there as well. But, um, you know, I had 14 years to write that album, and I've had two to, to write the new one. So, uh, you know, that's why a lot of bands have the sophomore jinx. And uh, I'm hoping I don't right. fall into that, but I'm pretty proud of uh, the new stuff. I, I don't del- you know, I don't go too far off the beaten path on the new album. Um, I'm sort of like ACDC, you know. I, I, you know, I play three chords really well, and I just stick with them. Right. <laughs> so what is, tell us a little bit about the new album. What's, what do you have in store for fans, it, you know, can you talk a little bit about how is it going to be any, you know, a little different from the previous one? Any direction you're taking this one in? I mean, I'm not, yeah, like I said, I, I pretty much try to stick in my comfort zone. Right. I'll be, you know, I'll basically be talking about the, the the things that are current in my life, like, uh, you know, buying a house for the first time. I have, a, you know, I have a new girlfriend, uh, you know, uh, that uh, was, uh, you know, gracious enough to come come and live with me in the house that I bought um right. who's you know and I talk of course I talk about that I talk, you know and and uh, you know the the whole take of you know that my girlfriend's out of my league and you know cuz a lot of comics take the same tact about their wives or their girlfriends they're paying the ass right. they're you know they're, they're you know they're, they make them crazy they hate them they can't stand them and my my take is you know like I'm lucky to have her. She's out of my league. I, you know, keep right. my mouth shut. <laughs> you know, so I have a com- little different take on that. And the first album was about 14 years worth of girlfriends. So this one's a lot more focused on, you know, the the, the one that I have now. Um, you know, who, right. who I am crazy in love with, and and uh, you know, there's definitely stuff about my love for music, and uh, you know, I always mix in. A little bit about uh, politics, and uh, you know, I don't. I'm not going too far outside of my comfort zone. Uh, I do mm-hmm. have a, I do have a list that I uh, that I came up with that I read off of uh, uh, a list of absurd things that you wouldn't hear anybody ever say, and and, I, and that's kind of a, a different thing that I'm doing. And I'm kind of working on a poem um, that I might oh, cool. put on the album too, if it's if it turns out to be funny enough. So. But other than that, like okay. I said, I'm like ACDC. Three chords, I stick with them, you know, I just, you know, maybe play them in a different rhythm, and uh, hopefully people will dig it. Nice. Nice. So when do you anticipate um, recording this or shooting it? When do you anticipate it being released? I'm going to record it December 4th through 7th at mm-hmm. our, our favorite place, Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. Cool. And uh love obviously for people to come out and support and and um you know obviously you know the more laughs i can get from people the less i have to edit in so you know that's <laughs> if you want to have people no i wouldn't do it. i wouldn't do that i would i would my album will be as, as as live as live can be in fact my first album was was one show so um yeah you know, i remember that one i was like I went six to shows that. Right, yeah, so right. it's, it's all from it's all it's all from one show. But this one, uh, I'll this one will be basically one show, and then I'll you know pick and choose from right. the other ones if there's a little gem here or there. But um, so yeah, so I have that, and I actually have a title for it, which I'm not going to reveal this time. Okay. But you'll have me back on to promote it when it's ready. But uh, it'll be sort of along the same <laughs> lines of parody that my first one was. Cool. 
Very cool. Yeah, no, and that's it. You caught that. up. You got me from my childhood to to, to present day. Sitting there we in, go. In my, man, in my man cave, in my big red chair, getting ready to watch Monday Night Football, and uh, this that's it. All right. Everyone, of, everyone, everyone knows everything about me now. Was someone I saw, I think they posted on actually one of your pages before. I don't know if it was the fan page or the personal page. Um, they wanted to know what was going on with Meet the Creeps. Would you ever have something like that coming out again? So I figured that was, you know, I wanted to definitely tie that in, and that would be a cool way to, you know, kind of frame that topic. Well, I mean, Meet the Creeps is, uh, for people who don't know, is is a, it's kind of an underground uh, right. little phenomena that Jim Florentine and I have come up with, which is uh, basically it's just hidden camera comedy, you know, um, where we go out, you know, with a hidden camera and we sort of mm-hmm. mess with people and then kind of torture them a little bit. And, and uh, it's you know, it, the closest thing I could think of to put it to is like jackass, except, you know, we don't try to hurt each other. You know, we're not into pain. Right. So. Um, you know, we, we you know we go to like an all all you can eat buffet with plastic buckets and shovels that kids bring to the beach with them. We start shoveling the food into the buckets, and then we pull our chairs up to the buffet and start eating out of the trays, and oh you know gosh. all kinds of crazy mayhem like that. Yeah, and it's all done so, on a hidden camera, so they they have no idea they're being filmed, and you really get real reactions from people. So right, and the question was, would you guys have something like that coming out at any point in the future? Because I think the individual was commenting that they liked it so much and would oh, you be cool. Thank doing you. any of that yeah there's, well there's three volumes of it so i don't know how how many they have but there's okay. there's three volumes of it so there's like six hours of me and florentine bothering people uh out there and available <laughs> so <laughs> if you can find it definitely and i sell them at the shows too so if you come to the show i always have the meet the creeps uh for sale as well as the terrorizing telemarketers which is me and florentine messing with telemarketers yeah, that's um, great Real calls, yeah, where we torture them and and we get revenge on them for people who actually like have day jobs and and do something for society. <laughs> we just sit home and and torture people calling the house, and uh, we have five <laughs> volumes of that. So, um, you know, and with the with the both of them, you know, eventually there'll probably be another uh, another go around with, with with either one of those. But um, you know, for now, there's uh, there's a lot of material out there. That's awesome. Very cool. And last but not least, your your band, Gunfire and Sodomy, do you have any shows coming up? And just kind of give me a brief uh, synopsis of how the heck you came up with that name. Because <laughs> it's pretty I rough. know you're trying to psychologically analyze the name because you hear sodomy and you think, like, I had, like, a, <laughs> you know, a drunken uncle in my family or something. But that's not <laughs> how it went down. It was uh, – we my my buddy and I wanted to create this extreme band. Um, right. That and we were sitting in a bar one day, and we were uh, over by the Port Authority in Manhattan. And if you know, obviously, you know, bars by bus stations are usually the seediest place in any city. So, mm-hmm. uh, which is why we went there. And um, we obviously stood out like a sore thumb. And and the manager came over to us, and she said, "Oh, hey, you guys, uh, you guys are obviously new here, and uh, you know, we hope you'll come back again." But uh, there's just two rules here. There's no gunfire and no sodomy. <laughs> These are actual rules for this bar, you know. So, oh my so gosh. I, looked at my, I looked at my buddy and I go, that's the band, gunfire and sodomy. You know, that's it's awesome. such a crazy combination of words. And um, basically it's, it's acoustic death metal. Um, it's, it's, it's so serial killers can have a favorite band. It's uh, it's it's like it's like an episode of 
on the case of Paul Azan, but put to uh, a music. That's a, uh, it's a homicidal, tenacious D. I could go on and on, but why bother? Wow. Uh, we have an, we have an EP out EP out on um, iTunes. Um, they do okay. censor the word sodomy, so you might you know they like it says like S you know um, star star star. D-Y or Y or whatever. So I know some people think it's, they don't know, it's like maybe it's gunfire and sassy or something. I don't know. But it's on iTunes and uh, you can click on right. it and there's five songs and they're, uh, like I said, it's it's like it's like watching, you know, one of those um, investigation discovery shows but put to music. Right, right. <laughs> and it's death metal well, but it's acoustic. It's very weird. Um, <laughs> it's not for everybody. It's definitely way, it's way more underground than even Meet the Creeps is. Okay, okay. Well, I definitely have to check some of that stuff out. It's but, just another um, creative outlet. Like I said, Carrie, I'm trying everything go. until I find something I'm good at. So eventually, well, I think, you know. Uh, I think, Don, and again, I want to say congratulations to you. You've accomplished a lot. You should be very proud of yourself. I'm really excited of this uh, new CD coming out. And as you mentioned, I'll definitely bring you back on when it's out so we can uh, promote it and listen to some new stuff off of it. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Yeah, well, I appreciate the support, and I like how you get into my dissect my brain and and uh, <laughs> try to figure me out and and all that stuff. And then I get off the, the phone, and I actually feel better, and I feel like I should send you a check or something. Oh, uh, but um, you know, you know, when I record the album, I, I assume you're going to be there, and you'll be uh, well taken care of. Um, I'll uh, well, there's no liquor license there, but I'll bring you a, a cool. I'll wheel you in a cooler of beer. Uh, on, well, on unfortunately, I don't drink, but we'll we'll figure oh, something else right. out. <laughs> well, then I'll keep wheeling that into the green room for me. There you go. Yeah, All no, right. thank you. I will definitely try to make it out to one of those shows. And again, thanks for coming on, Don. It's always a pleasure having you on, promoting you, and supporting you. And it's uh, yeah, it's great. Cool, Carol. We'll talk soon. Okay. Take care. Have a great night, Don. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone, Don Jameson from VH1's That Metal Show and the co-host also of Beer Money. Check him out. Go to donjameson.com. And, uh, again, if you tuned in late, the podcast will be available once the show is over. Great interview with Don tonight. We really touched on a lot of different things, and he really kind of took you through his uh, lifeline and his journey to where he is today, which, again, my, my interviews and I've receive this feedback and I, I really truly appreciate it from the fans and everyone who has supported the show is that I, I do try to take my interviews in a different direction. I do a lot of research on my guests and this is not a typical interview where I'm just kind of throwing out some questions. We really get into these people's lives and learn about who they are and how they got into their uh, their their industry, their craft, whatever you want to, however you want to put it. Um, so again, um, thanks again for tuning in. If you have a Twitter account, please follow me on Twitter at Carrie Edelman. If you follow me, I will follow you. Also, please become a fan of the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook. I regularly keep it updated with upcoming guests, events, and all other things. So please become a fan. Just search the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook. I also have two personal pages. Um, one of them was maxed out. I'm not sure if it still is, but find me on uh Facebook if you want to befriend me and uh, keep in touch that way too. Just again, love to keep in touch with people. So next week, I don't have anything scheduled yet. I might be scheduling something for the 28th. I'm not sure depending on my schedule. Um, But definitely November 4th, we will be back on 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time with 
the rock band Smile Empty Soul and their new album that they have out right now featuring the hit single False Alarm. So uh, definitely tune in for them. That's going to be a great interview. Also, lots of other people coming up. I just have to solidify some more dates and some more guests. So again, thanks so much, everyone, for tuning in tonight. A couple of quick plugs. Also, please check out talentspotlightmagazine.net. Awesome magazine that really does some nice, comprehensive, and thorough interviews. It's an online magazine. And last but not least, do not forget to check out Davin's Den, which is, let me get the information here, a fast-paced podcast featuring comedians Davin Rosenblatt, Joe Curry, and Kip Helix. So if you're looking for a show that can make you think and laugh at the same time, then Davin's Den is the show for you. They go live Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Eastern to watch live episodes here or watch old episodes or to find out more about the show, go to Davin's Den page on davincomedy.com and that is spelled D-A-V-I-N, comedy.com. Thanks everyone again for tuning in. Please check out the podcast, download it, share it, and uh, spread the word about the multi-talented Don Jameson. Have a great night.